The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Oh, Mike, it wasn't you. I just didn't have the microphone in the right position because I don't know how to work this mic after 25 years or something. Uh, Mike immediately realizes that my volume is too low, reaches over, starts to fiddle with buttons, and I look down and I'm like, no, the mic's just in the wrong place. Welcome to live radio, ladies and gentlemen. It's real life real estate investing. You know what we do here. You know how hard we work to bring you the information and inspiration to start to grow your own real estate investing business. And also stuff happens sometimes because it's live radio and we can't fix it in post-production because there is no post-production. Uh, so, um, quick announcement for those of you who are listening from the greater Cincinnati area and heck even if you were from a little far away farther away a couple hours drive even uh, you might want to know about this uh, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is holding its October live chapter meeting here in Cincinnati tomorrow night uh, it's it's going to be a really good one because it is all about helping people who are stuck on deals or who don't know how to structure a particular deal or who uh, maybe have a negotiation issue they're having with a deal. Solve it. You're going to have a whole room full of brains that you can walk into and say, here's, here's the thing I'm doing and here's why it's not working and give me ideas and um, we just did this last night in Columbus and it's the folks who stood up and talked got so many wonderful ideas about how to uh, write their deal. And even the folks who didn't come up learned a whole bunch about deal structuring and negotiation. So uh, that is the main meeting. The early meeting is about how to present your deals to funders. And then in between, there's a surprise thing. Well, here, I'll just give it away. Um, Cincinnati Rhea is going to be presenting a sizable check to St. Jude's Children's Hospital from the event that we did back in uh, August that was all for charity. And so some folks from St. Jude's will be there. There will be a big check. I've never been in a room with a big check before. I, I see that on TV, but I've never actually seen one of those big checks. So that will be fun, too. Um, be a good time. You'll meet some people. You can get more information and register at CincinnatiRia.com. I'm going to spell that whole thing out in case you're thinking about coming from like Louisville or Indianapolis or something because people want to put too many T's in Cincinnati. It's C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-R-E-I-A.com. That's your place to go. So um, 
What's our topic today? Uh, this is going to be one of those days where we try to get a gen- more general feel for the philosophies and habits and ways of viewing the world of a successful real estate investor. We call these the X Factor Investor Shows. And I usually book a guest for that when I meet one who's doing something in a way that other people aren't doing it, who are being successful at it, and who I think you all should maybe pick up some of their habits and their philosophies. My guest today is Courtney Fricky. Not Frick, like I said in front of like 600 people on the Monday night Zoom conferences that Oria has been having for the last uh, four weeks. Courtney Fricky, who is a real estate investor and a real estate association leader actually from Louisiana. She does a whole combination of things that I'm going to let her describe, but mostly I want to talk to her about how she's still doing it in 2023 when I swear half the real estate investors in the country are just laying back, not doing anything because they're all going, well, there's no inventory and interest rates are too high and also sales are slow and somehow prices are still high despite all of that. She's joining us by phone from her home in Louisiana. Welcome, Courtney. Hey, Vina. Thank you so much for having me. Glad um, to be here. And look, good job getting that. Um, yes, I don't, it only took me one time of hearing you say, yes, I am, Courtney. Fricky. <laughs> That happens to me a lot too. Like I get, I get, for some reason, I get introduced a lot as Vina Cox Jones. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm standing in the back of the room ready to come up and the, the person that sometimes I have known for years <laughs> refers to me as Vina Cox. And I never know quite what to do about that. And I do the same thing you did, which is I say, okay, hi everybody. I am Vina Jones Cox. <laughs> Just there let it go. go. All right. So let's, let's just start out by getting people oriented toward like you and what it, what it is you do and what your kind of journey to today, you know, everybody's got a, everybody's got a story about how I got interested in real estate, what I did at the beginning, how that evolved and why it evolved and what I do now. So let's let's start with that. Well, sure. So the reader's digest version of how I got into this and how I got today was where I am today is, my background, I didn't go to college. I actually did nonprofit missions work for years. So a few years working out of Texas for an agency, and then I lived overseas. So a lot of my background was in helping people, but I did it for free or a small stipend, right? Mm-hmm. Moved back to New Orleans, and uh, I was working a few you know, odd-end jobs, and someone said, hey, Courtney, you should take my, my day job. It's got a salary and benefits, and that's all I needed to hear. I'm like, I don't care if I'm sweeping floors. But what it was is he was a assistant manager for a marina that was owned by an apartment complex corporation. So p- apartment complex corporation, they developed a marine, uh, a apartment complex and put a marina behind it. And he was doing the assistant managerial stuff Monday through Friday. Okay pay. Better than my you know handful of part-time jobs. So uh, I got the job based on the referral, and I just asked him what was the downside. He said, well, your assistant manager, the manager's, you know, he's not nice. <laughs> he's from New York. He's, you know, can be a little brass, but he has cancer. So on Mondays, he goes and gets treatment. So my day one, I 
kid you not, day one, HR is there because this is an out-of-state corporation that owned. So they were there to uh, do my training, my paperwork. Um, I watched the guy's face turn white as he got the phone call. The manager went in for chemo that day and did not come out. (gasps) And this is the only marina they managed out of, you know, multi. They had uh, a portfolio of apartments across the country. And the guy was from Alabama, from corporate. He looked at me, said that was going to be the person who was going to train you. In essence, he said, figure it out. (laughs) So my last W-2 was is what introduced me to real estate. So I took over that job and I kind of just, you know, day one, it was 40% occupied and it had a one-star review on every, you know, boating site that mattered. And I don't do well just twiddling my thumbs. So I just kind of started, you know, figuring things out. And in two years I took it to from 40% occupied to hundred percent occupied. And I took it from one-star review to five-star review. And one of my tenants during that time said something to me that uh, meant a lot. Because after I turned the asset around, uh, you know, the owner flew in from California and took me to lunch. And he's like, who are you and do you want to move around the country and go to some of our other assets and, you know, stuff like that. Um, And one of my tenants said, Courtney, you don't know what you just did for this company and this asset. If you can learn how to do it for yourself, you'll become very wealthy. And he gave me some books to read. Him and another tenant gave me some books to read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a few others. And that is when I stumbled into real estate during that time. But during reading all of that, that is kind of what got my toes wet in the industry and understanding the power. Um, And not too long after that, I bought my first property and then – that doing that one property that was my first that was actually mine, you know, I got bit with the bug and I haven't stopped since. And that was 10 years ago. Wow. <laughs> so mission work to marina operator to real estate investor. I think that might be the first time I've ever heard of that particular career path <laughs> into <laughs> into the real estate business. Um, we need to qu- take a quick break. When we come back, uh, w- before we jump into your uh, questions I have for you about how, how and why you're able to operate in a market where a lot of people who are just as experienced are saying, yeah, I'm going to wait for something to change. Um we are, we, I do want to hear the whole scope of the things that you are doing in real estate right now. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can give us a call or send an email with any questions you have for Courtney. The phone number is 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658, or the email is askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Today, talking to Courtney Fricky about just like how is she doing it. You know, we're not going to probably get into a bunch of specific, you know, here's where I go to get my rehab stuff, and here's how I screen my tenants. More just like how is she doing it when other people are saying no, the market's too hot, cold, crazy, whatever it is that they think that the market is. So. Uh, Courtney, uh, because I think this is important to understanding the, the, the way in which you operate, what kinds of real estate deals do you like to do? 
Well, sure. You know, Rena, you said something one time that stuck out to me that you're pretty agnostic toward deals um, in ways, right? So mm-hmm. I have not been a huge, I guess, I haven't really had a niche. Um, so I've done a lot of a lot of things. You know, I started flipping, added in wholesaling, and then I a few years back I started keeping more, and so I started buying properties with creative financing and private money. And now I have rentals. I sell, you know, on financing as well. Um, but I, I honestly think I've learned more of what I don't like rather than what I absolutely love because I like it all to some degree. But I think I'm more clear on what I don't like than what I actually, you know, what's my favorite. If I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm being honest. What do you, what do you don't like? A major rehab. Uh, big anything over twenty, thirty, forty thousand max. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wholesale that. Uh, I've played around with the idea of you know maybe JVing with a contractor on that, but that is not my skill set. Please don't ask me what color, flooring, <laughs> um, or anything like that. I put in the house. That is, I have gotten <gasps> fired from that job more than once. If you want me to pick a tile, show me two. Don't take me to this tile store. <laughs> to this tile store. I know that feeling. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. Exactly. So, so no big rehabs. Um, what about multifamilies, trailer parks? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I own two mobile home parks right now. Um, I, I'm learning major value adds are synonymous with a major rehab in, in residential. So, um, we've got a mobile home park that, that we bought and it had, just it needed a major value add between management and rehab. And it's the same as if I bought it a full gut house, just on a larger scale. So I'm currently not enjoying that part, which is why I brought in operating partners on that deal after the fact. Um, but other than that, like uh, I, that's actually my preference. Um, I have been under contract to buy a motel before been under contract for an RV park and I'm, thankful those didn't go through because I, I see the light. I see the truth now. Uh, I, I'm some of those bigger deals. They sound sexy, but I am wanting to be, I'm not trying to chase certain things. And some of those things are bigger headaches than I want to chase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you want to do the stuff you like and all of this other stuff sounds, um, you know, exciting and new and is very tempting for people who, I don't know, like interest in their life, you've come to the decision that, nah, I don't, I don't need that kind of excitement. <laughs> right. Okay. So you mentioned that you, you brought in a couple of what you called operating partners uh, into your uh, mobile home park situation. What other people are important to your business? Do you have, uh, I don't know, VAs, people who directly assist you? And do you do a lot of things with various sorts of JV partners? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so I mentioned I started flipping and I added in wholesaling. At that point, I grew one of the largest wholesale companies in the like, greater New Orleans area where I live. Um, think suburbs of New Orleans is where I was based out of. And at that point, at one point, I had seven people on my team that were, you know, acquisitions managers, uh, dispositions, just different, you know, various different roles. 
And COVID gave me the opportunity to descale, and I am so thankful for that. A lot of people talk about scaling, but a lot of people don't talk about that descaling part. Um, and now what I've done is I've scaled through a few select partners. So there's no one, I don't have any, um, you know, W-2 employees. And honestly, there's a few people that will do projects for me here and there, um, but it's definitely as needed. And so they might just be someone who runs and does tasks or um, I've got a courthouse runner who will do stuff for me. Um, but again, it's as needed. And same thing with VAs. It's not full-time. It's as needed. Everything else is I have um, four, well, technically three. One of, I say four because one of them is a, a father and son duo. Um, but I've got four, four partners that I have scaled with based on their skill sets. And basically, I've outsourced my, my weaknesses to partners and those are who you know for various reasons they they do certain things that i don't want to do and then um that's kind of been the model i've been working in the last three last three years and i've actually been really enjoying it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did you descale the wholesaling business because you wanted to descale the number of deals you were doing or because you did the math and said well without these seven people i could do half as many deals and make just as much yeah. money or <laughs> So it all came down to this one question. It was, how big do you want to grow the monster? And so I was in a mastermind, you know, spending good money, a part of a mastermind. And I just remember it was like, in order to do more deals, I had to scale. And in order to scale, I had to keep doing more deals to pay for the overhead. And that was what kept me up at night. The, that's what took my freedom and peace from me was the pressure of the overhead and when i thought about real estate investing i said i don't a lot of times well let me say this i've been having a bit of a um i don't want to say like a denny crisis i don't think i think that's too strong of a word but the question is am i really an entrepreneur i think i'm entre entrepreneurial in in spirit but i don't really like the idea of building a business hmm. like in the essence of like staff scale all these automation um, but I do think that I'm, you know, capitalistic, you know, in, in ways. So that's kind of more, of the, that was more of the, the thought behind the descaling. COVID gave me the opportunity because a lot of people's circumstances changed. So I was on my team. Mm -hmm. And between that and major shifts in the economy, I just was like, it was a good come to Jesus talk about, hey, what, let's take everything out of the basket. What do I want to fit back into it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you had the opportunity to burn it down and you did. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I see people all the time who look at the large scale wholesale businesses, retail businesses, turnkey rental businesses, um, uh, management businesses, right? And they go, that's what I want because I read the e-myth. And I know you're supposed to build a world-class business with employees and systems and all of those sorts of things. And, and also they've got to be making a zillion dollars because they, they, they don't know the math behind how much does the marketing cost, the people cost, the subscriptions cost the, <laughs> to, to right. do 50 deals a year or a, a month. Um, and they, they go at that like it was the way to go without ever stepping back and going, is this making me happy? 
is this really in my, in my, in my skill set, in my life vision, all of those sorts of things? Well, and that comes back to defining what success looks like for you. And that's where I had, you know, 2020 gave me that, that opportunity to have that crisis to ask that the crisis in business to ask that, um, what does success look like for me? Cause I thought it was a hundred deals a year and, you know, big team or bust. But what I, but then you and I, you know, we have similar influences. When I started getting around them, something in me stood upstream and said, Oh no, this is what I want. But none of them have teams, you know, like they're not, they're not, they don't look the way the new YouTube guys look. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started asking, bigger questions and that again with what does success look like for me and a big part to that was asking how big do I want to build the monster and is there a better way to, to build it based on my skill sets and and what brings me more joy it's kind of you know you know got to look at everything and say hey do I want this to stay do I want it to leave and not I, I call it keeping up with the real estate joneses Right. You look into the person to your right and to your left and you're saying, oh, well, just because they're doing this many deals and they've got a team, I have to have it. But that's not really like that's that's not I mean, that's comparisons the thief of joy. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I, I got to a place where I just was not enjoying it. And the volume. The money spends like at the end of the day, but I was just like, I don't like what I've built And COVID gave me the opportunity, like you said, burn it down and and reassess and and look elsewhere. Yeah. And I think, I think folks need to do that every so often because sometimes we think we want a particular thing and then we get there and we're like, Oh, why does this not feel good? This is going to feel good. Or, you know, you just, your life circumstances change. You just, you just decide I'm, I want to travel more and trying to operate a business with 20 people who seem to need my, my interference all the time uh, doesn't really allow me to do that and feel good about it. So yeah, just every once in a while, just sitting down and saying, if I had to start this all over again, is this what I would create? Because there's, there's also that big factor of, there was a time when I had a bunch of people in my real estate business as well. And um, I ended up settling on something in between what the people with the huge monthly nut, have and the people that uh, are just like what are you talking about what's a VA uh, to, 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 to a small team that can take care of a lot of the administrative day-to-day stuff that lets me focus on the stuff that I'm really good at and that that's what it turns out feels to me but it feels good to me but it was hard to let go of that idea of but but I'm not important if I don't have 12 people working for me you know there was yep. there was some of that too all right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to talk to Teal, who has called on line one, and anybody else who has a question for Courtney at 877-772-9658, or you can email it in to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Courtney Fricky about just kind of generally how she does things because I don't know, she's a very thoughtful real estate investor. She's somebody who has clearly been able to move with the market and not, not be afraid to give up something that she's been doing. If it's not working for her anymore, or it's not working in the market anymore or whatever, which is another thing people don't do. Courtney, they get themselves a cookie cutter 
And then when the market says that thing doesn't work anymore, they try and double down on it. Exactly. That's a big mistake. <laughs> no, it's frustrating, especially when there's dollars tied to it, right? I had a guy in my, my local meetup. Um, he was like, hey, I you know, went and learned from so-and-so four or five years ago, and we just you know bought a whole bunch of direct mail with his stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, right now you just did that? <laughs> like, it was just one of these things where you uh, – you hit the nail on the head. It, it has to apply to today as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, go to the phones and talk to Teal, who is calling on line one from Columbus. Teal, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi. Hi, Teal. Thank you very much. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, hi, Courtney. My name is Teal. I'm calling from Columbus, as Dina said. I'd like to know... Um, if you have a sweet spot as far as number of units of a multifamily that you would be interested in, is there a number in which you say that's too many and I don't want to do it? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so I made the mistake of tackling a deal in 2020. That was a very big deal. It was 500 plus units. And I learned very quickly that that is a, that is a level I do not want to play in anymore. So I specifically like a hundred and less units um, for the mobile home parks, and the reason why is because there's a level there that you are still dealing with a lot of mom and pop investors, and you're not dealing that higher level like hedge fund, you know, very very sophisticated investors, and um, honestly, the management at that point too is very different. So I like a hundred units and less. Okay, thank you very much. (laughs) I'm in that same space myself of trying to figure out what's my number. Mm -hmm. And and, and keep in mind, you know, very early on I was chasing the big deals and the big numbers. But because, again, it was what the flashy stuff was being seen. It's kind of the idea of people who say they want to own a thousand houses. (laughs) And once you start doing volume, you learn very quickly, there's a reason I have gray hair now. And, and fewer extra pounds than I want um, because there is a direct correlation with that as far as the the price you'll have to pay to manage to acquire and things along those lines. And, again, some people love the hunt of it and the game of it, and so they're going to aim big and shoot big. Um, but at the end of the day, it also comes with what what is the – cost and i'm not meaning acquisitions cost it's the how much cost of your life will it take to do this deal you know Mm -hmm. can you go on vacation and travel like vena talked about can you you know maybe have the home life you're wanting to have or hey are you great with building a team you know that's not necessarily my biggest skill set so for me going and doing the larger numbers i have to bring all that into into play here because I, what I don't want to do is to do a deal for the deal's sake, and it pit all those things I value at risk. Mm-hmm. And and I'll add to that, Teal. Sometimes you have to like do it to realize that it's not going to work for you. Like sometimes, like uh, sitting on the sidelines and going, "Well, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this?" is less valuable than if you think you want to do it, go do it. 
and see how it feels because real estate is not something that you have to continue to own forever. I got I got super excited at one point about apartments and you know I, I heard all the same thing that everybody else hears. You, know, you get a bunch of units under one roof and you lower your maintenance costs per unit and you you know get five times as much income and you only need x apartment buildings to retire on and i went and bought an apartment building and i sold it two and a half years later that was not the intention this was this was not supposed to be a, a repositioning and sell it deal it was supposed to be okay here's something for my uh portfolio and i turned out not to like it and the, the the primary thing that I did not like about it was the additional drama that comes with uh, tenants that share walls. And the funny thing is I wasn't even the one who was dealing with the tenants, but I was hearing about it, right? That, you know, oh, so-and-so is moving out because the tenant next door smokes pot. Well, okay, it's in a college building. Seriously, why did the you know why did you move in? Did you not expect some things like that to happen with students around or all around you? And I I was just like you know I, this isn't this I I would rather own this many single family homes than own this apartment building. And I sold it. And I don't I don't regret having bought it because I wouldn't have known otherwise. You know, Vina, I'll say one more thing. Teal, um, the commercial space of so going from residential to commercial. One of the things I learned is acquisitions, financing, and management are all a different skill level at different numbers. So, for example, to acquire a five unit, to finance it and to manage it is one level. To acquire 50, right, to acquire 150 or five, you know, those numbers require a different skill set. And, and so that's a question you have to, number one, answer for yourself as far as does this fit my plan. But number two, generally speaking, you're going to need someone with that experience on your team. Commercials that, commercial is a place where you, you have to do more collaboration than residential in the sense of, especially if you're new, you know, to, to get the funding, they're going to generally look at your experience level your your net worth, a lot of those things. Um, and so I would encourage you is get to know some of the people who operate at different levels, and it might take some intention on your part, right? Like to find someone who owns a five-unit, that might be easy. But to, and to own someone who, you know, talk to someone who owns a 50-unit, that's another thing. But and, and talk with them and see, is that the path you want to go based on someone who's already there? Okay, That's Teal. Great advice. Yes, thank you so much. All right, thank you for calling. Um, got a couple more questions in the inbox, Courtney, if you don't mind answering them. Um, uh, Goodwin, who is, uh, where is Goodwin from? He's from Arizona, he's from California, he's from Cincinnati. I never know where Goodwin is. At <laughs> it's any, all over. He's a good guy. <laughs> any given moment in time. Uh, he says, hi, Courtney. Thank you for sharing how you got started. What advice would you give to someone who is getting started now, given, given what you foresee possibly happening in the next year or two? Well, it's a good one's a good guy. Um, but unfortunately, my crystal ball is broken. So what I foresee happening in the next year, year or two, I'm not honestly thinking that far down because... It's kind of a month by month, if not week by week kind of 
you know, forecast right now. Um, so I would say this, whatever you do right now, someone who's getting started, invest with sound investing principles. So be conservative. So if you're going to buy with creative financing, buy a deal that is a safe deal. Doesn't mean you got to, uh, you know, have absolutely zero risk. Um, but for example, you know, if you're buying deals with creative financing, buy them with some equity, buy them with cash flow, buy them, you know, where there's multiple benefits and you have multiple exits, right? Don't do slim deals right now. Um, mm-hmm. And then also have a plan. Have a plan for how you're gonna how you're gonna find these deals. Have a plan for how you're gonna finance them. Have a plan for how you're gonna manage them. And then finally, what's going to be, you know, do you have an exit plan or something? Because so many people just focus on the deal and getting the deal done, but then they forget to plan how they're gonna manage it, and then they get in a, a world of trouble. Because, well, they're like, well, I didn't think past, you know, just getting the deal. Oh, no. Now I've got to deal with the fact that it's taken me more than 45 days to get a tenant in here. Oh, no. Right? Like, mm-hmm. they're they're not thinking through the whole process. So um, a big part of that is you don't know what you don't know. So get around people who are doing it um, who further down the road than you are. I specifically like suggesting getting around the gray hair and uh, the gray haired, you know, guys and gals who've been through multiple cycles and just sit down, be quiet and learn from them. That's a huge part of what I like to do um, because you can use them as a sounding board of what you're looking to do. So, so safe sound investing, uh, go out there and, and look for good deals that are good deals today. Don't do those slim deals. And then, and then learn from people who've been around uh, for a good while and, and see what their advice is as well. Yeah. And ask, ask the people with the gray hair, as <laughs> Courtney says, thank you for not saying bald heads. I was expecting to hear gray hair and bald <laughs> heads. Um, a- ask them how, the, how many years they think about a deal over. Because I think I, I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom about the market. I don't know what's going to happen. There's no question that it's weirdly chaotic right now, mm-hmm. and and I mean, we went through what ten years of every year was just more of the same. It was the same thing, only more so. Higher prices, higher rents, you know, lower inventory, and now we're we're in this time where there's a lot of things that are conflicting that shouldn't be. You know, usually when you have higher interest rates and lower numbers of buyers. You get lower prices, but we don't have lower prices. <laughs> you know, right. even in, even in the markets where they are falling off, they're falling off by like you know two percent. It's not we haven't seen any kind of crash in real estate prices that would make us go, oh, uh, it's bargain buying time. Because so many people have gotten into the business since 2012, and they've only ever seen an up market. I worry that they cannot they cannot project forward three years and say, what if the rents on this property went down 10%, would I still be able to make the payment? What if at the same time, the value went down 10%? Yeah. They're so, they're so focused on, but somebody's going to let me buy it subject to the existing loan at 2.5%. And Mm -hmm. it's a $200,000 house with 10,000 in equity. How can I lose that? That they, they don't think through, if rents went down 10% and I was $80 negative in this payment, could I easily cover that until the rents went back up? Right? So 
part yeah. of part of the perspective that these experienced investors have is that they've seen markets go up and down and they usually their mental time frame is way beyond what what is going to happen to this deal this year and it's in both directions you know it, it might be well i'm only making eight dollars a year this year but the way the market's going i think that next year that'll be 80 and the year after that it'll be 120 and so they go ahead and buy it even though some somebody only looking at the deal for right now might have turned it down because of the eight dollar a month cash flow Dina, i think that's that's really important. Um, I'm one of those people. I've only been in this business for 10 years. I have not seen a, a true down market of sorts, right? So that is why I am very adamant that I feel my skills are not fully tested. Because I was I was talking about this on social media recently where I, I feel that my skill sets have not been fully tested because even though they have been built through volume like a volume of transaction of deals, skill sets built in based on volume in a good market are not fully tested through the pressures of, of different market cycles. And so I'm very honest about that, which is why I am adamantly surrounding myself by who I respectfully call the gray hair gals and you know guys, because I don't know what I don't know. I truly don't. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm trying to be conservative and learn from them. And and that's part of what makes you an X-Factor investor. Because there there are an enormous number of folks who've been really successful in the last decade that you cannot tell them even if you try <laughs> that their business model might be a hot market business model and they need to make plans for when the market's not hot anymore. They're just like, ugh, you old person. You don't understand the new age of real estate. Right. <laughs> I've had I've had that reaction a number of times. Okay, so uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more to Courtney. And when I say we, you can still call in at 877-772-9658 or send us an email, askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Courtney Fricky, and we're just, we're kind of just talking about stuff like what what makes her successful and continue to be you know optimistic about the market and doing deals and all of those sorts of things when so many people are just sitting on the sidelines right now um quick question uh from Rhonda that I'm going to go ahead and answer I had mentioned that Oria was doing a series of free Zoom calls on Monday nights and that there are there are two left there were six total uh, there are two left and she said, well, how do I get in on those? So I'm going to give you, the, I'm going to give you the easy site to go to. Okay. Go to oreaconvention.com. So O-R-E-I-A convention.com. And up at the top, there's a button and it says sign up for the free Zoom calls. And if you do that, then Zoom will send you a link and you can be on Monday night, which is going to be, let's see, what's our topic Monday? It is how to uh, protect your assets from lawsuits and taxes. It's going to be John Heyer, Bill Bronchick, John Bowens, and Scott Ellsworth. So two attorneys, a CPA, and an IRA expert. And the following is how to build the relationships that will get you everything you want in the real estate business. Now, while you're there at ariaconvention.com, you might want to click on the speaker tab and roll down to F alphabetically, and you will see that Courtney is one of the speakers 
uh, there. She's doing a wake up wealthy session for us. And the topic is how to get deals from real estate agents. And Courtney, since we only have a few minutes left, um, that again is one of the things that make you really unusual. I mean, the common, the common wisdom is there are no deals in MLS. And also you can't do creative deals if there's a real estate agent involved because they don't understand them and they'll tell their client, well, I'm not sure this thing is even legal. Uh, but you're actually getting a fair number of your leads directly from agents. Can you, I, I know you got, you got 90 minutes to talk about it at the summit. <laughs> can, can you give us a, like a high level overview of what made you decide that this was something you wanted to pursue and some of how you're doing it? Yeah. Honestly, I think I've always been contrarian. You know, I think I think that is a characteristic of I I hate to use this word cuz it can sound negative, but a market manipulator. Someone who when you look at the market, the the market in general, if it's not working easily in your favor, what is something that everyone's avoiding and how can you make it work in your favor? Everyone is avoiding agents. And because someone said somewhere once and then everyone regurgitated that, you know, if the deal's on MLS, it's not a deal anymore. I may agree, but that's not how I'm getting my deals. I'm not getting my deals on MLS. I'm getting my deals from agents. And those are two separate things in my head. The MLS is, is the list. The agents are the source. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking forward to the talk at the convention because – you know, this is a topic that I've actually had some people have come and had some very heated thoughts about this. But, you know, because they're like, oh, this is your, that's a waste of your time. And I'm like, you don't understand. So today alone, I took note. I've actually, and this is part of my presentation, I have been making note each week of how many leads I'm getting from agents how many closings I'm doing, how many walkthroughs, and how many, like, so if it's how many leads, how many different agents brought them to me. Mm-hmm. Today alone, I am at four leads from two different agents, uh, three different agents, sorry. And I still have a few phone calls I need to make today. But, and literally one of them, she goes, Courtney, um, my client owns this property free and clear, and she told me, get it done. Do whatever you need to do, get it done. And so, and she literally told her, her client, she said, I can't just make a buyer appear. And then, you know, we had a, you know, we met today. We were, I actually was talking at a brokerage, and she came up to me afterwards. She said, I have two deals you need to come look at. And honestly, you can either make a cash offer on them, but I promise you they probably would even, they owe them free and clear. They would probably even let you make payments on them. And I'm sitting here, I'm just smiling because what did I do? I successfully told an agent what I was looking for and everything she told me was an avatar client of what I'm looking for, for a seller finance deal. I have them come up to me and it's, they're giving me an avatar situation when they're saying the seller is done. They're literally telling them, sell it now move forward. I don't care what you do. I don't care what it looks like. I just want it off my plate. That is what I'm looking for. But most people don't know how to adequately set that situation up. 
Instead, they just say, hey, go find me every 3-2 house in this good school district, and they get put on the automated email list. Right. And they're like, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. And and and, that, and, and I think I think it's important that people are super clear on it's not that you're going into MLS every morning and looking at the new listings or looking at the price drops or looking at the, agents are calling you. Yes. And saying, I think I have something that you could help my client with. Yes. Earlier um, earlier this week, I got a text from an agent. Courtney, I have another foreclosure property. Do you want to take over their payment? <laughs> Heck yes, send me everything you have on it. <laughs> like, um, when So here is the premise. I have just thought out how can I take this underutilized market of people who are one-to-many. Agents are spending money to get in front of many people, right? They're doing their own marketing to get in front of people. So for me, I am getting in front of people who are one to many, and I am training them how to go hunt for me. And especially in this market where listings are down, demand is down, I literally tell them verbatim, if you want more business, here's my buy box. I I train them on exactly what I'm looking for, but to the point where they will deliver me the avatar of what I'm looking for, the exact replica of the type of seller not the oh i just lowered it ten thousand dollars type of thing or the ambiguous investor special no no the this person you know uh just wants you know they don't even care what you offer them they just want an offer right now Mm -hmm. they you know take over their payments they just want it done they can't juggle two payments and they're going out and i'm telling them to hunt for me and they're successfully bringing deals my way. So I'm buying with seller financing. I'm buying subject to, I'm getting it at great cash discounts. And yet there's an agent involved. Mm-hmm. Riddle me that. And so yeah. it can be done. Yeah. Courtney, unfortunately, listeners are going to kill me for this. <laughs> but we are out of time. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, they, they can all come see you at the National Summit, November 2nd through 5th. If you listen to the show, you already know about it. There are still tickets left. AreaConvention.com is the place to go. And Courtney, I look forward to seeing you there. Likewise. Look forward to seeing everyone there. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.